On today's episode, we have the creator of my favorite TV show of all time, Entourage, and an Emmy Award-winning producer for a documentary on the old Knicks called When the Garden Was Eden. Without any further ado, you can tell how excited I am for this one. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another episode of The Buster Show. Today, we have a legend, the creator of Entourage. Welcome to the show, Mr. Doug Ellen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Live from the pandemic. You're right. I love it. And you had the Entourage poster in the background. You got your MSG next poster on the other side. Well, that's, that's the documentary I produced for 30 for 30, when the garden was eaten about the 69 to 72 Knicks. You haven't seen it, Buster. You better watch that. Michael Rappaport directed it. Oh, Michael's the best. Michael's the best, and it's it's a great doc. You know, Willis Reed and Phil Jackson, Clyde Frazier, and you know, it was really one of the with everything going on now. It's really interesting because it was one of the first black and white teams that got along and worked together, and you know, a lot of the the racial issues in 1969. So it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Are you a Knicks fan? I'm a yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge Knicks fan. You know. Uh, Grew up on the Knicks, you know, on Entourage, I put Jerry and a Bernard King. You probably don't even know who yeah. that is, but Bernard I'm, King. I'm, I'm, I hung out with Bernard King at the Hall of Fame last year. You told me that. That's amazing. I mean, Bernard was like my idol growing up. So, uh, um, you know, I've got a slow, a slow uh, turnaround that looks like a, a slow motion version of Bernard's turnaround. But, uh, yeah, he was That's my favorite. Amazing. And the Knicks, I still, I mean, I can't say I still love them because it's hard to, but I do, obviously, and wish they would get back to it. But Here, Here's hoping some changes, but as you know, we say that every year. Yep. Um, right before we came on, we were talking about um, how I discovered Entourage last year. Um, I, missed, I missed it by just, just a little bit. Yeah, a lot. Um, crazy how quickly it goes. But we were talking about how times have changed um, yeah. in a lot of different ways, you know, putting the coronavirus aside, yeah. just in general, the culture yeah. shift and how content has changed so much, let alone, you know, yeah. going from mostly TV to now some of the biggest shows are online. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at, at the time, what year did Entourage first come out? 2003. 2003. Yeah. The way I think about years in my head is like, okay, LeBron, got it. Um, so strange. <laughs> I still remember being in school and the, the bicentennial was 1976. And I remember thinking like when I was a kid, it'll never be 2000. Like I really honestly remember those thoughts as a child. And now it's 2020 and it goes so fast. And, and seeing you, I'm seeing a lot of young people doing great stuff like you. And it's wild. Like at 19, I was so freaking lost and having no clue what I was doing. So it's good that you're uh, you're on it. Well, I appreciate that, but I think it also would have been different if you had, you know, the social media accessibility to creating anything you want at any given possibly, time. Possibly, possibly. I mean, I think it's a great time for content creators, and it's also, you know, it's it's a time when you don't need all those connections that when I started, you you needed badly. You know, you're able to showcase your talents, and it doesn't mean everyone's going to get found, but if you're good, there's a pretty good chance people are going to find you. You know. Well, that's, that's totally true. And also just how accessible direct people are. Like yeah. The DM. 
is the craziest feature. That's how we were first able to get in contact. It's how pretty much anybody is. Yeah, and it's I, it's I think unbelievable, everything that's going on. And that's why I say even, you know, the culture shift and the politically correctness is, you know, it's always been going for 30, 40 years. But the last five years have hit an accelerated um, thing that, you know, I, I've never seen in my lifetime. And some of it, of course, some of it is good and some of it is horrible and scary. So it's, it's a weird thing. What do you think an entourage would look like in 20, 2020? You know, I don't, you know, it's weird because so many people ask me that and I do watch it only now because I'm doing this podcast that we're talking about it. I haven't watched it in a few years. And it's weird to think, and, and we were a show that was the critically acclaimed show when we came out, the Emmy-nominated show, the Writers Guild. So we were not like the disgusting, you know, whatever. But even when I, when I watch it now, there are, there are, I would never write things that I said then. And it's not because I'm politically correct. It's just, it would be weird. I mean, there's movies now that I've watched that I watched for 40 years that all of a sudden there are things that come in and that you go, holy shit. I mean, there's concerts, Eddie Murphy concerts that I memorized verbatim as a child. You watch now and you're like, I can't, I can't believe we were, you know, making fun of groups like that. So there are some things that you go, okay, I understand. And I'm not talking about cancel culture because I think that's the most absurd thing in the world to look back at what someone was doing 30 years ago and judge it now and and get angry with them when they were clearly embraced by society then but you would write differently that being said there's no reason entourage couldn't work just as well today because it's a show about friendship and guys and they would talk how guys talk today and and um i don't think i would necessarily just tone it down i just think people are, i think young guys even talk smart young guys talk a little differently than they might have 15 years ago you know no it, it's totally true and i can't relate to 15 years ago but <laughs> i can definitely listen to you <laughs> yeah. it's, crazy. it's crazy that you were four years old 15 years ago it's nuts so yeah i want to ask how much of the show was based on real interactions and things that happened in your life and i assume mark Wahlberg's life as well i mean to be honest with you it really started like, let's mo make a show about Mark and his friends, but it really morphed into a lot of me and my stories. Let me shut the door, because people are yelling over here. Um, but uh, I used so much of my life in there and so many elements of things going on in my life and so many exact stories from my life. Um, obviously, I wasn't a movie star, so that's imagined in my head, but the friendships were really based on my friend groups and all of the guys that I grew up with can go, I can't, I can't believe you put that story in there. I can't believe you put that story in there. So a lot of it was, a lot of it was based on my friendships in the, in the guise of a movie star's lifestyle. So. Got it. I want to ask, um, I, I was watching the other night. Um, I never thought that watching Entourage would be homework in preparation for talking <laughs> to you, but I'm, I'm happy how things have turned out. Um, I saw the, uh, the episode where LeBron James made an appearance. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, it was awesome. And that's a decade ago. So he's already, you know, he's already LeBron. He's probably top 10 of all time, probably top 20 of all time at that point. Um, but it was great. I mean, he was awesome. They called, you know, his people. Of course, we would put him on. So he was great, you know, and it was uh, a thrill to have him. 
LeBron was awesome. It was great to have him. Obviously, very cool. Um, he was already, you know, so that's got to be 2010. I can't honestly. I can't remember. I don't think he has a title yet at that point. I don't think. Well, but, if he wasn't in Miami, he he didn't have a you know. Uh, uh, he definitely wasn't. Uh, it's just. I, I mean, it's all such a blur because Chris Bosh was on the show right before the decision, and I actually sh I shot the scene two ways. Jerry says to Chris Bosh because Chris Bosh legitimately thought and told me that he thought there was a very good chance that him and LeBron were going to the Knicks, and Jerry and I. I was 100% convinced I had an inside information. That being said, we shot it two ways. So Jerry said, whatever the line was, Jerry said, this is why you sign with the Knicks. And then he said, this is what, what happens when you don't sign with the Knicks. So that decision, I really had convinced myself a million percent, kind of like Zion <laughs> six months ago. I really, I really convinced myself that like LeBron and Chris Bosh are going to the Knicks and like the next decade is going to be a different era. So. Well, I have to ask, did you hear about the story that broke about what happened in the meeting with Dolan? I, you know what? I've heard it in the past, just that it was awful, but I don't remember specifically. Yeah, so about two weeks ago, it came out that it was the Knicks to lose. Yeah. And they lost yeah. it. Yeah, I thought I heard something like that. I, I don't know. I don't think – those guys are too smart to go to Dolan. i got to be honest with you. I don't think they were ever going to Dolan, but um, I think if someone else was there, they would have been in New York. So. That's crazy, though. Did you have to shoot a lot of scenes multiple ways because of what could happen in the world and, like, culture? Not too many, but there were things that I did get a couple of things on if it was like that. I don't know what else specifically. That was one that was obviously it was very personal to me. It was happening right at the moment. So by the time it was going to air, he was going to be on wherever he was going to be, you know. So, um, so we shot that that way. Like, from the first season on, the guest cameos just got crazier and crazier. Was there a moment or a guest ever where you were like, wow, like, we made it. Or I personally made it because you were excited to have somebody. I mean, honestly, all of them, because we couldn't get anyone first season. You know, I didn't even know if Mark was going to show up in the pilot. You know, like, Come on. he was going to show not, up. I'm not, even, I'm not even joking. I love Mark to death. He was the best. But we were standing around going, is, is he actually coming? That's how low budget and that's how kind of, in the film it felt we actually had an actor not show up for an earlier scene um and we had a replacer like on the fly she just didn't come so uh those things happened she, and then she's regretting that <laughs> i don't know if she gives a shit but it was definitely an uncomfortable day for us but um after that we started after season two maybe we started getting the calls which yeah, it was cool. It was also you know all the guy, the people I worked with was like you got to say no to somebody. But I'm like I'm not saying no. If, if Russell Wilson wants to do this, if uh, LeBron wants to do this, of course we're gonna do it. You know, so that's pretty cool that you'd write them in. I heard you talking a little bit about that on your podcast. Um, which by the way, so it's the show ended. It what year did it end? I don't know. The movie was 15, 2015, I think. So five so years ago. Five years after that, you guys decide you, um, drama, and uh, and yeah, you guys decide to do this podcast. How did how did that idea come about? Well, people have been asking me to do a podcast for years, and I'm like, you know, I kind of missed the boat where fucking nineteen year olds like you were going. This is like the new world. I really didn't get it till about six months ago. And uh, so I started thinking what I could do. And um, obviously the best thing you can do at this point is to have some way to hook people in. 
And then if you can grow your audience, great. So that's, uh, that's where it came from. And, and more importantly than the show, I just thought Kevin Dillon and I have a great friendship and camaraderie. Kevin Conley's going to come in, Jerry Ferrara, this and that. And uh, I just thought it would feel like guys hanging out, which is what I'm getting feedback is that it would have feels like kind of like the show, which is your boys. And again, without, you know, the language that we may have talked there while not being PC at all. So that, that was what it was meant to be. We're going to talk about entourage, but it's more three New York, two New York guys, four New York guys, whatever, talking about life, sports, and all that stuff. So, uh, In the show, you name drop a lot of big name people. Was there ever a moment for you when it went from, like, I'm writing the show to people having something to say about their name being said in the show, positive or negative? Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of situations like that for sure, you know. Um, you know, Stephen Dorff wanted to kill Kevin Connolly at one point. Really? So, yeah, Seth Rogen said some shit about me at some point. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. To be honest with you, I never went after somebody that it wasn't a, a personal reason. I didn't ever, like, just randomly attack people. So they were, they were, they were personal things, so. I, uh, I was talking with a friend the other day and, you know, I, I told him that I was going to be doing this with you. And he brought up a really interesting point to me that since Entourage, um, a lot of really big superhero films, Aquaman, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio doing Great Gatsby, Narcos like had Medellin vibes, yep. you know, and now they're doing like the right. Enzo Ferrari, Ferrari yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, how do you think that they're all just stealing from Vince? You know, it's funny because Oliver Stone said uh, Ari Gold like got him into uh, Pablo Escobar or something. So, you know, listen, they were all. I always tell young writers every idea is already out there. It's really how you execute it and what you do. And even with Entourage, I worked on that script for two years, and about two months before they finally greenlit the show. There was a big announcement on the trades that Steve Martin had sold a show about a movie star and his friends to HBO. And I called up my agent. I'm like, is this a joke? I've been working on this. And he's like, yeah, make sure your script's better than theirs. It's not, it's not the most original idea. And it's not. The idea is, unless you have, you know, Jurassic Park or, you know, most of these ideas are out there. So obviously, I read Medellin Killing Pablo, the book. Someone was going to make a movie or a TV show out of that because the story is too riveting. Same with Ferrari. So I don't take I don't take any credit in it. It's cool to see that they all came to fruition. But no, I don't think anyone stole from me. I think they were ideas that are out there in the universe, you know. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think like one of the things that really drew me into the show, and I, I hate TV in general, just personally. <laughs> I don't watch any TV. I don't, I don't think anyone I, your age does. Well, that's, that's probably true. But even so, I don't watch long form. Like, I don't watch Netflix. I don't, right. I don't watch anything. I watch, I watch clips on Instagram. Right. And I watch YouTube. Yeah. And that's it. But one of the things that drew me in about the show was, I mean, both watching it now and seeing, like, these guys having so much fun, you know, that, that was it. But it also seemed, you know, and I think it's a testament to you uh, that it wasn't, it didn't seem scripted. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the goal, to make it feel as realistic as possible. And I, I, you know, what you're saying I like, because honestly, we used to hear that from a lot of people back then. A lot of people who weren't into TV would just watch Entourage. And it was a very kind of type A guy show. Obama said it was his favorite show, which 
you know, no as, as the culture changes, you know, you can Google that, but as the culture changes, oh, the president of the United States, and I don't mean this president, no president would ever say a show like Entourage again is their favorite show. It will never, ever happen again. But Obama said, I assume in his first. You can, you, you, you can Google it. He'll talk about how every Sunday they watched it at the White House. We were supposed to have a screening at the White House that kind of fell apart. So it was very cool, but I would meet a lot of extremely high-powered, successful people that said, I don't watch a lot of TV. This is the show I watch. I usually watch sports or I watch this. And I think, to me, what it was is it was really anyone who had a group of friends growing up with can relate to it. It was you, you all wanted to, like, make it and enjoy it with everybody that you came up from, especially people from working-class areas or middle-class areas. So I think that that's what more of the appeal was than the Hollywood aspects of it. You got an endorsement from Obama. I got an endorsement from Obama right while we were uh, selling it into syndication too. So it was great. So I owe him, I owe him. That's so. gotta be the coolest thing ever. It was, it was pretty wild, you know? Did, did you ever breach the subject about a little guest cameo action? I did, I did, it did not happen. Thank <laughs> God for him, thank God for him, by the way, because it would have destroyed his legacy, I think, at this point. They said, what, they'd be coming after him, they'd want to cancel Obama for doing Entourage. I want to ask, I, I think this is my last Entourage-related question, but yeah. the car chase scene through Beverly Hills, um, yeah. how did you guys shoot that? I mean, we shot that shot for shot based on and, uh, the movie Against All Odds. I wanted the exact same scene, which was Jeff Bridges racing a Ferrari, and we literally scripted it and shot it exactly the same way. We we damaged that Ferrari on that day, which was not good. Yeah, we were a low budget. We were a low budget thing, and there was a there was a little bit of an accident. So, uh, but it was it was amazing to get to do that. You know, it's like I grew up against all odds. It was this it was this great? And you should check out the scene. Jimmy Woods, great racing scene, and we just said we're going to shoot a scene exactly like that. You know. If you could, that's crazy, first off, but if you could go back and tell yourself at the beginning of filming Entourage one piece of advice, what, what would you tell yourself? Well, I mean, it's not, it's not that I didn't understand this at the time, but, you know, enjoy all of it. It's, you know, there's people who run television shows, successful or unsuccessful, that are able to enjoy it more than I probably was. I'm very obsessive and and whether, again, whether people think it was good or bad, it was a lot of work to make it, make it good. And I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, you must have been running around, but you know, every day and partying and doing this, I never did. I was very focused on keeping it on the air, making it as good as possible. But you know, if I, if I knew, hey, it's gonna go eight years in a movie, you know, I would have relaxed a little more possibly, I don't know. That's funny. Um, what, what are some of the projects that you're looking at going forward? Or what's something that you've always, I mean, obviously you've done, you've covered a lot of your dreams, like you covered the garden, you got Entourage, but is there anything else that you've, you've always wanted yeah, to kind of... You know what, it's not, I, I kind of never operated like, oh, I always wanted to do X, Y, or Z. Um, things come to me and if they excite me, I get involved in whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I got a thing I'm working on with Thierry Henry right now that I'm really excited about. I just finished, uh, just finished the first draft of the script. That will take it out. The world is really shut down. So I, who knows what's going to happen. But um, I've never operated on like, I always had a dream. Like Entourage right. wasn't, you know, some dream of mine. It's, you know, Mark came to me and it sounded cool and whatever. Um, but 
you know, I've done some of the things, honestly, working in the, in the, when the garden was Eden thing, that's kind of special stuff. I did a pilot with Mike Tyson that, um, didn't end up going that I was, he wasn't acting in it, but it was loosely based on him. Mike kind of came to me and said, you know, why don't you do with, for me, what you did with Mark's life. And we got John Ridley to write it, who won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave after that. And we got Spike Lee to direct it. John Boyega was playing a version of, it's honestly, it's so tragic that this didn't end up going. And I just produced it. I came up with the idea and then Spike and John kind of took off and uh, it did, didn't go, but it was one of the, uh, one of the first shows, I think, on cable with an all African-American cast. So I was very excited about that. Um, but what was uh, that? it was called The Brick. The Brick. And uh, that was seven years ago, I guess, we shot the pilot. Um, I feel like that would crush today with how popular Mike Tyson is again. It, 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 would, it would crush for sure. And it was a great script that John wrote. And uh, timing is everything. So I don't know what was going on on HBO, but uh, it's a shame. That's, yeah, totally. How do you feel about the new age of, you know, TV and movies where everything is online? Do you think it's better or worse? Well, I think that the content has never been better for at-home viewing. Mm -hmm. um, the movie content has never been worse, in my opinion, but uh, the, the television shows that are on now are so good, and obviously your TVs that you're watching them on and the sound you're watching them with, you know, but when we were, when we started doing Entourage, it was important to me to shoot it like a movie in widescreen and make it look as cinematic as possible. There were people at HBO at the time that thought I was a pretentious idiot. And I was <laughs> saying, I'm telling you, the, the world's changing. Like you're going to see TVs in everyone's house and blah, 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 blah. Now you look at these shows, they all look like movies. So it's weird because some of the jokes on the show were about an actor doing TV was like the death of your career in 2004. It was now, like that? Oh yeah, it was like, if you're a movie star, you're not doing television. Now, the best actors in the world are doing TV. So part of that is good, but part of it has become a little bit, TV is now becoming star driven where they're so desperate to have a star that they'll pay you know exorbitant amounts of money instead of which, you know, I don't think Entourage would happen today for that reason, because they'd say you have to have a star, as opposed to these guys that, like you said earlier, some people thought they were the real deal. Some people were like, is this a, a show or are these real people? Like, what's going on here? So you can't really have that no matter how good the actor is when you bring in a giant star, it kind of overwhelms it. So, um, but that being said, the content has never been better. There's so many great shows on the air. Um, and to stream, it's, it's really amazing. Cause I mean, 10 years ago, I used to, most of my nights were spent watching reruns, whether it was Seinfeld or Cheers or this and that. Now there's so much good new stuff to watch that you can sit here all day doing it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. And I think one of, one of the most interesting shifts that I've seen, especially coming from a place of not watching full TV when I know other people did, was now like all consume like a three minute clip of Curb Your Enthusiasm on YouTube. Yeah. I'll just go down like the rabbit right. hole jumping like 10 years between yeah, yeah. seasons watching these three minute clips. So did you get into Quibi or no? I haven't yet. I haven't yet, but a lot of people have been telling me. Uh, have they? I haven't heard about it from anybody, but so, but I think that that's what they thought kids like you want to see. But so, it's vertical. Vert vertical doesn't work yeah, in actual yeah. content form. 
Yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to shift that. And again, to me, storytelling is always gonna be storytelling, whether it's two minutes or four hours. You got to get people hooked on whatever the content is. But um, yeah, I think I think you know when I started seeing people put clips of different television shows on Instagram, I was like, oh, I can see how you watch two minutes of this, two minutes of that. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. No. What what direction? How how much further do you see this going? Do you think cable's going to exist in three years? No, I don't. And I'm I'm thinking I'm not even sure agents are going to be necessary in three years. You know, I think that um, there's people like Imagine is doing this impact program where they're bringing writers in from all over the world and then putting them online so people can kind of disseminate content on on their own and go right directly to the to the content creators. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen and technology keeps improving by the second. So, but I cannot predict anything. I certainly couldn't have predicted this pandemic. So I don't know. No, neither could I. February definitely feels like, like at least five years ago. Yeah. It makes no sense. None. Um, so Action Park Media is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Kevin's yeah, podcast it's Kevin's network. Park. Yeah. Yeah, he started that about eight, eh, maybe a year ago already. And that is where this podcast falls yeah. under? Yep, Victory the Podcast, that's what it's called. And um, Kevin's got, I don't know, 20, 20 other podcasts going as well. Wow, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you guys should go ham on everything, like... Yeah. put up like make sure that clips go everywhere and have a I know. We need, to be honest we, we need someone to do some more promotion but we're it's doing great i mean we went to number one on the tv and film on the first day and we haven't spent one cent on advertising and i haven't even i haven't even made a call to anybody could you post this because i with what's going on right now i don't want to harass people to post shit about my podcast but right people are really responding well to it. And, and like I said, what I wanted is people goes, it feels like the show. And that's what right. I wanted it to feel like. So, um, you know, so check it out. Yeah. Are you guys going to be doing video soon? Uh, we shot it. So I have no idea what the plan is. You know, the great thing about this is I'm just talent now. I, uh, for, for oh. a decade, I How's had a it feel? Does it feel I, good? It feels amazing. And I get to complain like they did. And I get to fucking, you know, tell them what I don't want to do. But I have nothing to do with anything except for showing up and trying to, you know, make it as interesting as possible. What do you think the biggest misconceptions about, like, actually filming and getting the work done as opposed to, like, just watching people do it on the screen? I mean, it's, it's an extremely, I mean, the amount of friends that I had come to a set in my life, they go, this is so boring. It's an extremely hard Thing to do it is very time consuming and challenging requires a lot of people collaborating and working together um the actors have to be great or you're dead but i do believe their job is the easiest once they're good at it and they get treated the best and they get all of the perks and rewards of it <laughs> when things work but um there's so many people that goes into a proper production that do so much hard work that it's um it's it's an undertaking for even and as i said whether whether people like what people have done or not, every show you see on TV has tremendous amounts of effort and work that go into it. Totally. Um, for those, uh, a lot of the people that listen to this show are young, very, you know, business minded. They want to yeah. go into a lot of different fields, whether that be the sports space or that be the entertainment space or, or music for that matter. 
Um, what do you think from obviously all of your time in and around the industry, you would uh, tell it to kind of the younger generation uh, as far as how they can get started? In know? this industry? Let's say the entertainment industry, because yeah, I, I mean, think that's I, the most valuable. You know, I mean, listen, the, the way I started was I made a short film, which I, it honestly led to every single thing I've done in my career. And it was a year of raising money and getting actors and finding people who could run cameras and doing things, all of which could be done in about an hour and a half today. I mean, I'm serious. And cost, you know, that was 12, 13 grand in 1990. You could shoot it on your iPhone and make it look just as good today for about 300 bucks. So to me, different sides of the entertainment industry, but if you wanna write, direct, be a comedian, act, sing, it's get your stuff out there, start doing it, you know? And I think uh, you have a, a great opportunity to get people to see things that you could not have done. You know, when I made my short film, which I was lucky enough to end up selling it to Showtime, which is almost unheard of, and they aired it on Showtime in 91. But that took walking around with a DVD and handing it out to every single human being I saw. Now it's like, okay, a buster just said this thing was funny. And all of a sudden, it's all over the internet. So it's just a very, it's a very different, crazy world. And I think for talented people, it's just get out and do it, you know? Totally. No, I, I think that's great advice. And I think one of the one of the great opportunities at hand which all youngsters should take advantage of is just the ability to network online um yeah. you know because i'm sure for you like who you were talking about the way that you find projects is your friends come to you yeah and that's yeah. your network and then it's that wild. it's wild the amount of people i've met through through instagram i mean it's unbelievable you know and my girlfriend still thinks it's a place to like meet girls it's not, it's an unbelievable place to network. It's an unbelievable place to get access to people that, that five years ago would have taken 4,000 phone calls that didn't get returned by X number of people. And now you DM somebody and, and chances are they respond, you know? So it's pretty well. Yeah, the odds are above 50% with pretty much everybody, especially yeah. you know if you approach somebody with any value you're providing to yep. them, then that's yep. just going to increase your chances exponentially. Yep. Um, but I know you have a lot of fun on Instagram too. I always see these like literally the best videos on my feed are all coming from your page. I'm like, this is the best personal brand I've ever seen. Uh, well, thanks. But I mean, you know, like I never got into the Instagram thing and about six months ago, I started going, you know, I'm going to do a podcast of some kind. You need an audience. So I started you know, whatever, it's aggregating other people's content, but you know, with crediting them, but, and then it's grown into whatever, and as my own personal platform and my own, I don't know if you've ever seen any of my fights I have with some of these people on Instagram, but you know, it's, you know, there's a very polarized world out there right now. And um, no matter which side you stand on, people want to jump all over you. So, um, but I used it to try to try to make it something that could help promote whatever I'm doing next. And hopefully it does that. Well, that's great. Last, last thing I'd, I'd, you know, be upset if I didn't ask you about it. Um, the NBA. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Whether there's games, you mean? Yeah. I, I can't imagine this. I, I can't imagine it. I don't know. I mean, it's, again, it's like, if you watch Fox news or you watch CNN, you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out what's actually happening out there. <laughs> but based on my own assumptions of what's going on, 
you know, I think based on the numbers I've seen, the players will be healthy if they get this. But if a coach gets it or an owner gets it, you know, I just, I don't know. Like Greg Popovich is going to go in this bubble and, and do this. So I don't see it happening. I hope it does. I hope they figure something out. I, yeah. I like, I couldn't, I don't remember the last time I was this excited for an NBA season and it was really kind of playing into what I was hoping for. And um, LeBron, Kawhi, we're all waiting for it. And I, I don't even know if it'll be the same anymore anyway, but uh, I still want to see any version of that that I can. So totally. I, I can't imagine. I mean, there has not been a time in, in my life, and I'm sure yours neither, where we've gone this long without any sports. It's so nuts. And I actually, it's, I turned on ESPN today for the first time, only because all the, the Sean Jackson controversy that's yeah. going on. Um, it's weird. I mean, Sports Center is like on my house 24 hours a day. It hasn't been on my house for three months. And um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that we would deal with all this. And, and I do like baseball, but usually baseball season's a little more less, I'm less interested in everything that's happening anyway. But the end of the, the basketball season and hockey is like my time that life is great. So it's, it's tough to be without it. Hopefully something will happen soon. Yeah, like last year to this year, like last year we had the Raptors and Kawhi beating the Warriors in the NBA Finals. It feels, it feels like a minute ago and 10 years ago. Like I still, you know, I saw that shot, that uh, the Kawhi shot against the 76ers so many times and from so many angles that it's crazy that it's just there's no sports and we're not going to see Kawhi get to, to – maybe we will. I, I don't think there's going to be – Maybe we will. I I hope so. We'll see. But um, so where can people find your podcast? Um, the podcast Victory, the podcast on all the major platforms, Apple, um, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So check it out. And if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Doug Allen on Instagram? Mr. Doug Allen. And that was not, that was because someone took my name. As weird as that is, there is no other Allen. There's another Doug Allen. It's a redheaded Irishman. And uh I don't know anyone named Ellen. I've never met anyone with the last name E-L-L-I-N, but uh, he's got it and my first name. It's very strange. But Have you tried hitting the guy up? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <No. laughs> I probably should, but I don't know. It's been so long. I, re I remember when it first came out on Instagram, I'm like, Mr. Doug Allen, I sound like a jerk off. I don't want to be Mr. Doug Allen, you know, but that's what they gave me and it stuck. <laughs> well, it's, it's great. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of your personal brand. Um, I appreciate and I, it. And I congrats really on all you're doing, man. It's really awesome. Thank you, man. Well, you're the man. I appreciate you coming on again. This was a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Um, be good. You Stay too. safe. All right. Later. See ya.